Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of PLP Talks. This is the podcast version of our YouTube series. And this podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So be sure to check out how to support this podcast in the show notes. So in this episode, we're going to talk with Jay Peterberry, a well-respected endurance bikepacking athlete. He's going to share with us some tips of what he thinks about during these long rides, as well as the back-end business of what it takes to be a full-time endurance athlete. So sit back and enjoy some great advice from a legend in the sport. Thank you, Jay, for being on the show. Thanks, Ross. I appreciate you having me. So we were uh, chatting a little bit earlier. Uh, you've done like a lot of events over a long period of time. Um, can you just rattle off a, a couple more that I might have missed? Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been at this since uh, 2006, bikepacking specifically. I come from kind of an adventure racing background, so multi-sport. But uh, in the bike trade, I mean, this year I'm going on my 10th Iditarod event. Um, and I'll try to go long distance to Nome. So that's a thousand miles. Um, I've done six tour divides, done the Colorado trail race, done the Arizona trail race twice now, uh, been to Italy to do a few events. So, um, they, they are stacking up. <laughs> <laughs> How do you even keep track of it now? <laughs> Actually, honestly, I'm not like, uh, I don't keep track <laughs> and that's probably a good and bad thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm not really like, people are always asking me about times on events and, Oh, what about that record? And I honestly don't even know those numbers. Yeah. <laughs> So it sounds like it must keep you like super busy. Like what percentage of the year are you out doing events? What percentage of the year are you training? Or is it like pretty much like a year round thing? Yeah. So nowadays it's definitely year round. Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, just last month, uh, my wife brings up to me and she's like, wow, you've been gone for four months since February. <laughs> and you know, so, um, so I do travel quite a bit. Um, you know, a good, probably one third of the year, uh, kind of traveling, going to events. And then, uh, the other parts of the year is definitely the, call it the back end work. But, um, you know, there's a lot of other work that goes into it to allow me to do what I do. So it's just, uh, the relationships, keeping them going, touching base with partners, seeking new opportunities, um, answering to opportunities, <laughs> uh, and then just, um, you know, nowadays I'm doing, you know, more camps and clinics and just kind of, uh, I have more desire to go to be in the public face more and just have those re, uh, interactions with, with people face to face. Right. Cool. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the uh, back end part of this, because I feel like a lot of people see the front end part, you know, you doing events. But, um, you know, maybe a lot of people don't realize that in order for you to do this, there's a lot of like hustle and uh, there's, there's probably like a business element to, to keep, um, you know, to keep being able to do this. No, it's true. A lot of people do see that front end stuff. <laughs> and, and the reality is, uh, I work from the time I get up to the time I go to bed and, you know, I eat, breathe, bicycle. Um, and there's the, the, the funny thing is like people don't really like in the bike industry, there really isn't money. Um, um, you have to be creative with what you do, as you know, with what you do and people, brands, companies, entities, don't really approach you and say, oh, here, I have some money for you. Let's right. do this. <laughs> so um, if I don't get up every day and make those connections and make those things happen, I, I really am not going to have a paycheck. I'm not going to be able to pay the bills and conduct life in a regular way. Um, and 
And that's really stressful for me. Like I didn't go to school for this. I am still trying to figure it out, honestly. And, and that's kind of the fun. And that's a challenge in itself. Just like the events are a challenge, like doing this is a challenge for me. But, um, but I also feel it's also one of my biggest successes. It's not riding the tour divide route six times or setting a record. Like that's cool. And that's something I really desire that, that fulfills something within me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not about beating this person or getting that record. Like the success is like me sitting here right now and saying, this is what I do for a living, right. which is, uh, I stepped away from that and I am like, wow, um, <laughs> but I'm so involved with the every day. I don't really get to step back often and take a look at that because I am just, my brain is constantly turning. Right. But, right. Yeah, we can totally relate to that. Like uh, Laura and I have, have made a living off of you know the website and all the other kind of tangential things, uh, just solely from that from for almost a decade. And uh, you know a lot of it looks really good on the social media, but man, there is like so much hustle and like so much unknown, and just trying to constantly see if you know is this idea going to work? Should we stick with this or should we pivot to somewhere else? Or you know, because like you said, like the you know bike industry is not cash uh, rich. So you have to be really <laughs> creative, uh, you know, to, to kind of sustain it long term. Yeah, for sure. And the, and the, and the funny thing is when I, and I, and I do get a lot of these remarks and comments, oh man, you live just such a great, <laughs> you're riding your bike all the time. And, yeah. and, and, and I can chuckle at that for sure. But I can also kind of think really in my head, like these people would not want to do what I do. You have to want to really do this. It's not just about riding the bike. Mm -hmm. And so like, and I, not only, I don't think they would want to do that. I don't think a lot of people could do that. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like maybe, uh, some lessons, some physical lessons you learned in the endurance side and the sports side have helped you on like the business back end side? Huge. (laughs) Um, And I actually love kind of making those relationships. It's like, it's really, I get the chills from, it's like the fruit of the labor really, right? Like I go out on these big long rides, but I learned so much about myself and um, applying these things to life. Whether like even recently, I've just learned patience. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like a very basic thing, but like, and I used to look at all my events and try to Hustle to finish. I had to be to the finish immediately. Like, so I was just always on the go. And over this past year and two, I've, I've developed um, just a, a new thing, patience. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what it brought to me, because it, it opens up my mind more. I can take in different things differently. I'm not just passing things by. And it's giving, so the patience part. And then in business, if you don't have patience, right? It, uh, these things don't happen overnight, right? Yeah. Like, you can't get answers immediately. I mean, how many emails, responses does it take to actually get a project done? Right. It's not like, oh, let's do this. It's like 40 emails later, right. then maybe we'll do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that, just, that stuff is great. Yeah, yeah, we've experienced that too, where it's like, well, you know, we want to see a project happen, uh, but it takes like, you know, meeting people multiple times and staying top of mind and reminding them that you're there and that you're still interested, it might not be, you know, that first year you pitch something, but maybe three years down the road, you know, when they you know come around and go, okay, this makes sense now. So like you can totally understand that kind of more patient, like long-term kind of view of things. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I really enjoy that. Um, just taking what I learned on the bike and applying it to life. 
and everybody, and it really goes to with relationships as well or whatever, you know, and, and that's cool. So the bike is, means a lot to me and it has taught me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so, uh, we were going back and forth via email and, uh, you touched on maybe, uh, dipping your toes into like product development or helping, uh, you know, kind of, um, uh, help stuff develop in the industry in terms of like bikepacking and endurance sports. Um, is that, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I th- you know, everything has been such a natural progression with me. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and it's, it's just comes from passion. So you do something, you create new ideas and then you have influence on something. And that's an area that I'm really trying to kind of push more so. So mm-hmm. when I talk to my partners, I like, that's an area I push for. It's not about the next event or what I'm going to do. It's like, Hey, I'm giving you feedback on this and how can I be, uh, how can you get me into your system so we can talk about this earlier or things like that? And that's kind of fun. That's like a kind of a new area and boundary that I've been pushing. Cool. But, uh, I also, it's also, I'm 45 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm starting to look towards my future more, and uh, I think I'll always have a role in the industry. But where where is that? I'm still trying to figure out and do things just to keep that presence. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I've noticed that you've been uh, hosting a lot more events and cl- clinics. Um, that's probably part of that kind of looking uh, forward, like what else you can do and 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 stay in the industry, right? Yeah, and it's also a part of giving back, like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super satisfactional when you can help somebody else mm-hmm. and see a result from that person and watch that person smile because this is something I've been doing for a long time and I don't take it for granted. I feel I'm talented and I've been really lucky with what I've done. But when you see someone else discover it, I think that's super neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always something I've been wanting to do for years, but I think it's just about timing, right? So, you know, I don't have time for this stuff unless I stop riding my bike. Right. Um, so, <laughs> So now I'm just starting to make more space for that. And, and there again, and it's also because those opportunities are starting to come to me. And instead of saying, well, I'll be out riding, I'm saying, yeah, let's do that. This is going to be an awesome thing. Right. So uh, tell us uh, a lot, to, or uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the events you host for, for some people that, that may not be aware. Yeah. So a number of years ago, I kind of launched this kind of backyard series. And uh, so we started off with a uh, fat pursuit, which is uh, our winter events. And so basically we have two distances. We have a 60 K, which is on December 16th. And then we host a 200 kilometer, 200 mile event. And that's kind of like the ultra distance event on snow. Yeah. Um, and that's in uh, January 5th and 7th. And then from that, it kind of spun off. And then we started a gravel event three years ago. Mm-hmm. So and that's gravel pursuit, and that's in September. And uh, we hold these events just upside, uh, outside of Yellowstone National Park in Island Park, Idaho. And uh, this year, you know, I put on these winter events, and I see the, the, the challenges people are presented with and the struggles and all these things. And so it helps me learn because now I'm in a place where I could see these other people trying to figure something out. Right. Instead of in a race, I'm at the front end. I don't get to see all this. Right. Now I'm seeing all this and I seen there's a need mm-hmm. for people that need education on snow. Yeah. And so, uh, we launched a camp this year. We teamed up with, uh, the race directors from my Diderod and it just seemed to make sense. We have a great relationship. And so now we're holding a camp in Island park and, and that's super great. It was well received. I'm really psyched for it. Big, uh, 
diverse set of people, someone from Australia. Oh, wow. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's awesome, right? Um, and so there, there's going to be some more of that. Um, you know, I have some other things going on. I have two other clinics as well going on this winter. Uh, I'll be going up to Whitefish Bike Retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an awesome place. I don't know if you've ever been up there yet. Oh, yeah. Right? But yeah, Cricket's awesome. Cricket, yeah, <laughs> Cricket's awesome. What she's built up there is great. And that's just a great venue to yeah. hold a clinic like this. And so uh, we just got together. I've known her for years and said, hey, would you mind hosting a clinic up here? And I'm right. like, absolutely. And that's <laughs> just a, it's a great spot. Um, it's a, it feels really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's meant just to... It's it's a clinic. We're gonna go through some uh, some basic stuff, but it's gonna it anybody from the beginner to an advanced person that rides already is gonna gain something from it. Right. Uh, there's a lot of little nuances and little tricks to be successful in winter riding, and um, and that's why we're doing it just to help share those experiences. And I'll be and Tracy will be going up there. Tracy, my wife. Yeah. Um, so um, that's good interaction. Right. So who. Like who is, uh, I guess who would be the good candidate to attend that? Is that someone that wants to race competitively in the winter or is just, you know, kind of wants to fart around like recreationally or. I would say it's more recreationally. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll be covering some basic things about just like layering and dressing and moisture management and, uh, proper tire pressure. Um, and, and then also there's like an education side because, um, fat bike use on snow, there's still a lot of, uh, advocacy going on and trying to figure that out. And I've kind of been involved with a lot of that in my area and helped see a lot of that go through mm-hmm. it with success. I do, uh, like to share a lot of that stuff because a lot of people want to know how they can help in their community and start up some grooming or just how do you work with the different agencies to, uh, allow this use or, right. um, and so we'll talk about that as well. Cool. Yeah. So Laura and I recently moved to, uh, Missoula and, uh, prior to this, like neither of us have lived in a place with snow. <laughs> so we're like completely like freaking out. Like we have no winter gear whatsoever. So it would definitely be, you know, I'm sure that we could learn a lot from, from a camp like that. Uh, great candidate. <laughs> <laughs> so like i okay I have, I have two questions related to that uh one is like how much gear do people already need before they can attend the camp like are you kind of what like do you need all the layers ready or you know yeah well, well for the clinic for the whitefish bike retreat clinic like we honestly i think everyone has everything in their closet already okay right I like if you've done any sort of winter sport, you probably have some warm clothes. Um, and immediately, I like to kind of uh, relate it to, if you've ever been cross-country skiing, bring that style of clothing mm-hmm. to go riding it. Because it is a, a high-output sport, and it is kind of warm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I don't think you have to go out and buy special gear. Okay, cool. I think it's also one of those things like, like I was never that person that just kind of chased down gear. I always used what I had in my garage, and then I've always made things. Right. And um, and I, there's something to be said for that because you learn a lot that way. And then if you like sport, then you seek out that perfect piece of gear you want. Right. But if you're just getting into it, like no sense spending a lot of money if you yeah. don't really like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's our challenge. We have like we have no experience doing uh, winter sports at all, so we don't. You know, we're just still like trying to figure out what makes the most sense to get first and. 
you know, like, so like Laura, neither Laura and I have ever skied before. (laughs) So, you know, it's kind of like, well, what do we use? (laughs) You know, I mean, Gore-Tex rain gear goes a long way. Yeah. 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 That we have, (laughs) uh, you know, living in the Pacific Northwest, we have a ton of rain gear. Yeah. Um, And that's, that's like a sweat box, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I have like one specific question about, uh, trying to keep warm and that's, uh, the feet. (laughs) Do you have any kind of like just basic, you know, do you, do you use like a vapor layer or vapor barrier to kind of keep your feet yeah. dry and warm or what's the, the basic foot strategy? Yeah, the, the, the feet thing is a, is a big, is a hard problem for most winter riders. And of course, I'm going to pl- first plug uh, 45 North uh, boots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so true cycling winter boots. But, you know, a pair of Sorrells will work as well too or whatever you have, always use that. But um, plastic bags, which act as vapor barriers, um, mm-hmm. can work well. Uh, and if you are buying a new pair of shoes and just looking for an inexpensive boot, just size up. So maybe you can get some layers in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the vapor barrier is huge cause it does block wind and it does trap heat. The tricky thing is it traps moisture as well. Mm-hmm. Is there, so you gotta be comfortable with that a little bit. Yeah. When, uh, when you're looking at a boot, is there a certain level of insulation that you'd recommend or is it, you know, been around this and seeing all these different weights and the claims that, uh, boot manufacturers make, gosh, you know, you look at a boot and it says, Oh yeah, good to negative 20. Right. (laughs) And and honestly, none of that is true. I've yet to see any of that in the real world. Um, and I think it's more like just kind of looking at the boot yourself and almost making your own decision being like, is this going to be warm or not? Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to get insulation in the front of the toe of a boot. Right. So a lot of that insulation tends to be like kind of in the ankle and things like that. So right. it gets to be tricky. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say like kind of when you are trying to match up your bike, like maybe look at the bulk size of the boot. Mm-hmm. Big sloppy Sorel is actually really hard. So uh, maybe something a little bit, uh, more streamlined could be well. And then also the weight of the boot. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that, that's just, you know, there's like, I just had a question yesterday, a guy that's attending my camp and he asked me, Hey, will these mountaineering boots work? Right. And I know this exact mountaineering boot that he's talking about. And like, honestly, I already know it's like, it's not really going to work. It's not really that warm, mm-hmm. but it's kind of pitched that way into the mountain world. Right. But, but it's also made for a different reason. And, um, and so it's kind of tricky. Yeah. Yeah. The easiest thing to do is just to go and buy over boots. If you're mm. really looking for an easy thing, there's a brand called Neos, mm-hmm. Neos over boots, and they make all different ones and they will go on. I know people that ride in um, tennis shoes wow. with Neos. <laughs> is, it, is it like a neoprene or what's the uh, material? It's a full on over boot. It's like a Cordura or a, it's not a Gore-Tex, but a treated Cordura because they are waterproof actually. Right. People use it. People use them for fishing, wading. They have ones with built-in gaiters in them. So you should check out the line, like personally for you. And right. they're not—they're not a big investment, right? But they can be used for different things, right? So if you're unsure, it's not like you're just like, oh, I'm just buying these for this one use. You'll right. use them for something down the road, right? Cool. So when is the uh, the winter camp at Whitefish? That's in February, or gosh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'll look it up and put the date here. <laughs> I mean, come on, Russ. Do you know your calendar when it's this busy? <laughs> no. <laughs> that is uh, February 9th, 10th, and 11th. Cool. And it's kind of a – it's actually a great deal. It's a, it's a, it's a single fee, and it also includes uh, housing and uh, food, so your meals – and then the education and writing. So it's actually pretty neat. Right. Cool. Uh, well, let's move on. And what do I else? What else do I have here? Um, I actually have some reader questions. Like I put it out on various media. I don't know if you feel like answering some reader questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. A, I don't hide anything. So one person asked, uh, "How's the uh, how's the hand surgery doing?" Yeah, doing good. Thank you for asking. Um, I definitely, that's been a real crux in my life, actually. Um, yeah. But doing well. I kind of got back on the bike about two weeks ago, uh, putting a lot more pressure on it and things. I'm going to evaluate uh, the surgery that took place. I actually had it in my elbow and my wrist. I'll evaluate in the next several months. And if I feel it was ultimately a success, which I kind of am thinking unsure yet, yeah. then I'll get my other one done. So was that uh, something that came out of cycling or the endurance sports or is it just life <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a build-up of life I've, i come from a construction background yeah uh, and so using my hands all the time i think it was from there and um the way i ride probably really isn't that healthy <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> um so someone else asked uh for hygiene tips when you're out there um you know during doing a, a long multi-week um trip like how do you keep from getting cell sores and all the other kind of nastiness that comes with you know hygiene issues certainly something to pay attention to you can't get sloppy down low because then you will be dealing with that stuff so i think uh there's a level of airing things out per se yeah. um i personally in a summer event i i sleep in the nude with my shorts down i mm -hmm. try to air things out um and then just you know, wet wipes go a long way and just staying clean. But it's something that you do have to pay attention to. Um, when I go into a rest stop, gas station, whatever, just a resupply, I'm definitely going to the bathroom and washing everything and just kind of drying everything out. Right. Uh, don't, don't <laughs> let that go. <laughs> right. <laughs> Knock on wood, like all that stuff. I've really, I've, I can count on one hand how many times I've had saddle sore in 20 something years. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, uh, and someone else asks, uh, how did your, uh, relationship with salsa start? Um, <laughs> I can remember the exact times in 2007, I rode the tour divide and I built up a pair of wheels with their rims. Yeah. Um, and I was encouraged to go to Interbike that year in 2007 and I, I don't know. I didn't know anything about the industry really. Mm -hmm. I just I went to uh, I went to Interbike that year and went around and thanked every manufacturer that the parts that I used. And I can remember going to the salsa booth at that time. Mm -hmm. I met Mike Reamer, marketing manager. I said, "Hey, man, I'm just stopping by to say I ran your rims. I set the record on the Tour Divide and I had the best time of my life. Mm -hmm. It was super short and sweet." He's like. I know you. I know what you did. <laughs> and I remember that specifically. Mm -hmm. And then um, for several years, I rode for uh, just a, another brand. And then that was just whatever, super relaxed. And mm -hmm. then 
And then as I started getting into more snow riding and seeing their rebranding, and I, I was friends with Mike through this time, he mm-hmm. set me up with some parts when we built our first tandem. Mm-hmm. And then when they kind of rebranded, I seen it and like, I just admired what they did. I met a few other people in the industry and within salsa through those years. And then it was just like, this is kind of just makes sense. This is what I'm doing. This is where you guys are heading. This is what you're doing now. Hey, Mike, Hey, let's, let's do something here. Mm -hmm. And so it was very, very, very easy. And I felt it was very natural. Mm -hmm. Um, And now our relationship is great. Cool. Yeah. 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 They're definitely, uh, they're definitely a cool brand. I mean, we, we, we do a little work with uh, Mike as well and, and they're good folks. <laughs> well, um, it's, I like to describe them as very genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, um, bike brands are in business to be in business and make money, of course. But they're not actually sitting around the table saying, how can we take over this category and make a bike to kind of make dollars and crush the market? Right. Like they're sitting around because they all do it. They love the outdoors. They're like, cool, I, I want to do this. Let's make <laughs> something through this. Right. And um, just so genuine and passionate. And that's what I really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they're definitely like an authentic brand. Like, authentic. You know, when they came out with like, you know, the idea of the Warbird, you know, gravel race bike, people are like, <laughs> you mean like a cyclocross bike? And now like every other brand is like falling in step with like their own gravel race bike. So they really like, yeah, stick to their guns and, and go for it. <laughs> it's been really fun to be in the bike industry and at least my uh, time because I have seen categories be introduced and laughed at. And now you can't scroll your feed without <laughs> the word adventure, which right. actually I'm almost like honestly sick of reading, right. like seeing that word. Come yeah. up with another word. Yeah. And, and then uh, like the categories that were laughed at that are not true categories. And it's just awesome to be around the industry, I think, right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's an exciting time. I mean, I think like the bikes are, are, are so cool that, they're, that people are making, you know. Um, cool. Let's see. What else should we cover here? Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, what what do you think about like when you're on a, a really long uh, ride? Like what what goes through your head? How do you keep your mind occupied for you know days, weeks that you need to to complete a, an event? Yeah, I I get that question a lot because I think people are challenged with being bored or something like that. They're not sure. And I remember I was very scared of that my very first time doing the Tour Divide and getting into this sport. And I actually, uh, I brought an XM portable radio with me (laughs) and I wore a solar panel on my back and because I I thought I needed something to keep my mind busy. Yeah. And, And through the years, what I've learned, there's like, I am such, I I'm a pretty uh, focused person when I'm riding my bike on these events. And so there's really a big mental checklist that I need to go through. And I'm going through that constantly. So I'm always crunching numbers because I'm worried about time. I'm worried about mileage. And then like I'm checking in on my body. When was the last time I ate? How much? And drinking and looking at my bike. And so I have this big checklist that I go through. And, and then when I'm done, I'm probably going through it again. And you know, uh, and then you make kind of ideas or plans in your head of where you might be. And then that changes. So you're constantly rethinking that. So there's always strategy going through my mind mm-hmm. constantly. Um, and then when that's kind of lost or whatever, 
Um, I'm definitely looking around. Um, I try to be very aware of my surroundings mm-hmm. and uh, whether it's the surface I'm riding on, making sure that's the correct line, dirt, snow. Um, I try to absorb the mountain scenery, the sky, understand weather. And so there's, I think there's just so much to think about. Right. Um, and, and, and I'm sure that's a personality thing and an individual thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I do start to go crazy, my mind <laughs> and, uh, and maybe being challenged at a bigger level or something that, or trying to stay awake, even, uh, pushing yeah. the limits, then I'll start to listen to music. But music to me is kind of like a tool. Right. I use it when I need to change an attitude or something like that. Right. Um, so it, I think there's more to think about than people think. And I mean, right. <laughs> we have lives too, right? We're right. humans. We have personal <laughs> lives. I could think about that stuff and, yeah. uh, and try not to think about the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> so here's a question. Is there any um, piece of gear or uh, strategy that you've employed, that, that you employed early on that you still do today? Like with all the like the updates and technology and, and new things that you've learned, there's still this one core thing that's kind of stood the test of time. Gosh, I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, there's, there's definitely some things that I could think back to in my 2007 year, six year that I still use. Right. Um, uh, you know, but that's like clothing and gear wise. And, um, you know, I will say for long distance kind of, gravel style riding drop bar mountain bikes like uh you know arrow bars have always been a big thing mm-hmm. and i'm a believer in uh what is now called the fred bar which i do believe <laughs> is not made anymore yeah <laughs> and I, I, I helped discover that because i ran a double stem on my very first year like literally two stems the top one with a dummy bar in it right with my arrow sitting on it yeah and um that is something that I cannot do an event without. All right. <laughs> Just because of uh, what it does for you in positioning. Right. And, and fatigue wise and how it brings it back and high. Um, and so, but there's, a, there's, there's probably many things like that, little yeah. pieces that I still use today. Yeah. <clears throat> so, do you, so would you leave something like that clipped on the entire time or just pull it out when, when necessary? No, I, you know, whenever I'm doing an event that's more than a few hundred miles long, I just automatically put it on. I've because I've one time I tried not, <laughs> and I was just way too fatigued and didn't like the stretch. Yeah. And so automatically and like and like so when I see people getting set up, I get a lot of questions and stuff, and I'm like, dude, don't worry about looking like a racer long and low. <laughs> You're gonna hate yourself. Right. Like just, I'm telling you, move this stuff back. Right. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another kind of. Uh, uh, just general training question. Like when you, when you're doing an event or when you train, do you train to heart rate or power? Uh, and do you use those metrics in the actual event? Yeah. So, um, I've always been an off the couch rider mm-hmm. for many, many years. And three years ago I hired a coach. Yeah. Um, for a few reasons. And, uh, one of the main ones was because, um, when I hit my forties, I kind of felt like my endurance is still great. Like I, but I was kind of losing my top end in the short distance races, things that are a few hours long or a hundred mile event. And mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to 
bring that back. Yeah. And, um, so it's been super fun. It, it uh, I train by power now. I train with a coach. Um, I, we, I have a training program every week. I train about 15 hours a week oh, wow. inter- intervals. Um, and that alone is a big part. I mean, it might not seem like a lot, 15 hours a week, but you throw in like the before time, the after time and just, it, it's, it turns into a lot. It's a part of the day, two to three hours every day. Right. Uh, and then, um, but it's been fun. It's helped me learn a lot about myself. Um, and I have gotten stronger the past few years, which is kind of crazy, mm-hmm. um, but super fun as well. <laughs> um, and I don't really use them. I don't follow them a hundred percent. I don't follow the metrics when I am racing. Mm-hmm. I, I am definitely in my coach and I have a very open relationship and we definitely f- f- both feel the same way about like your mind and your body has to be really into it as well. And so you've got to have like this, uh, this feel for things. You mm-hmm. can't always go by the numbers because that's that could be good or bad right. in a situation. And so um, I'll use them and use the tools while I am racing, but hide the numbers. I won't necessarily look at the numbers while I'm doing it, right. but we'll we'll analyze the numbers after the fact. Right. And uh, and that's that's been really neat because I do have now some regular events that I've have recorded and that I go and back to, uh, look at. And so it, it's, it's neat. It's a, it's a part of me. That's like another self discovery. It's really, right. <laughs> uh, really sparked my riding again. Cool. Yeah. Now I have power meters on like every bike. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> which, which, what do you use? Uh, which power meter do you use? Oops. We'll, everything just slowed down. A yeah. Lot. Okay. Okay. All right. We're back on. Uh, okay. There we are. Which uh, power meter do you use? Do you have the preference? So I have quirk power meters. So okay. it's a crank based system. Right. Um, so I have one on my fat bike. I have one on my, uh, so I have one on my bear grease. Uh, I have one on my cutthroat and then I have one on my warbird. Gotcha. So three very diverse bikes where yeah. I can cover anything. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Laura and I are, uh, we entered the lottery to do uh, Dirty Kanza <laughs> this <Awesome>. year. <laughs> and uh, we're both kind of scared because we're, we're just not, I mean, we're not, like, we, we see ourselves as cyclists, but not athletes. You know, like, most of our riding is, like, very, like, slow and pokey and lots of fishing. Uh, but, you know, I just turned 40 this year. You know, Laura's staring down the barrel of 40, and we're like, okay, let's kind of shake things up and, and still see what the body can do while we can push it. So, you know, uh, I... I think that's where the greatness is in that event, actually. It's it's like, yeah, sure, it's great to see some top guys and some fast people, but I really, I've been going to that event for a handful of years now, and, like, I love, like, the mid-pack and on, really. Like, yeah. those are the fun people to be around and just, like, um, to see these people take on these challenges like yourself. Like, it's, that is super awesome, and that's really what that event has done, and that's what makes it so unique and and neat to be around. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'll see you there. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. I mean, it's scary because it's like okay, we we have like actual winter here in Missoula, so like we're gonna have to get trainers and you know kind of just negotiate those waters of uh, trying to to stay fit when it's kind of crappy outside and. You know, yeah. and Laura has a. It's you more know. about time on the bike than it is mileage. Yeah, I I think I think it's just being able to sit in the saddle for a long time. Yeah. Cool. What would be your top 
two or three tips for a newbie doing something like DK? Um, one, being able to sit in that saddle for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and having those patience because it is a long day. Right. And, and always know when you are in a bad moment, it will get better. Right. Um, because it will. Yeah. Um, so just uh, take it as it goes, you know? Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's an awesome, uplifting note to uh, end this uh, interview uh, with uh, Jay Peterberry. So thank you so much, Jay. And uh, <laughs> if you guys like this video, be sure to subscribe, uh, you know, leave a comment if you have any suggestions for future guests, and definitely check out our previous uh, interviews. And uh, thanks for watching, and thanks again, Jay. Yeah, thank you, Russ. Appreciate it. So thanks again for listening and be sure to subscribe so these episodes are magically downloaded to your advice whenever they come out. Talk to you next time.